The first half of the previous parak discussed different items which are found, and depending on where and when they are found, what their status is. Are they considered a carbon? Do we consider them unsanctified? And now the first half of the eighth parak, the final parak, continues this discussion and particularly focuses on their status with regards to Tumah. Now the halach is that when it comes to a Zov, who is a man who became Tomei as a result of substances leaving his body, a Zova is the female version, a Nido is another type of woman who is Tomei as a result of substances leaving her body, and a woman who gave birth, any of these four people, either a Zov, a Zova, a Nido, or a woman who gave birth, they have a very severe level of Tomei, and if they spit, then that which comes out of their mouths will make anything which comes into contact with it Tomei. As long as the thing which comes in contact is something which can become Tomei, by touching this it will become Tomei. Namajabonon, if somebody sees some spit on the ground, let's say, he doesn't know where it came from, and he touched it, or an item touched that spit. Majabonon, he needs to be worried and assume that that spit came from either a Zov, Zov, or Nida, or a woman who gave birth. And so that item which touched the spit will become Tomei. However, the Mishnah says that spit which is found in Yerushalayim to Hirin is considered pure because in Yerushalayim most people there were actually pure. Many people in Yerushalayim came to bring carbonos and to eat them, and they would go to the Beit HaMikdash, they had to be pure. And because there were lots of pure people there, Tahar people, those who were Tomei would generally be more careful not to make other people there Tomei. And so you can assume that this spit did not come from one of these four Tomei people. Except for the upper marketplace, because there there were lots of non-Jews, and Midrabonon, all non-Jews are considered Zovim. And so since there were lots of them over there, if spit is found over there, then it's assumed that it came from a non-Jew, and so it would make things Tomei Midrabonon. David Meir, that is the opinion of Rameir, Rameir says, that it's not true that in Yerushalayim, you don't need to be worried that it might be from a Tomei person. Throughout the rest of the days of the year where it's not actually a Yom Tov, then even in Yerushalayim, most of the people there are assumed to be Tomei. And therefore, any spit which is found in the middle of the roads, in the middle where lots of people are walking, so Tomei and that would be Tomei, because we assume that many of those people who would be there would indeed be Tomei. However, if spit is found on the sides of the roads, then Tohoyon it is pure, and the thing which touched it was also pure, the reason being that since during the rest of the year, there are only a few people who are Tahar, so they make sure not to be part of the lots of the large crowds walking through in the middle of the streets. They would walk on the sides where there were less people in order to avoid Tumah, and therefore it can be assumed that if the spit was found on the sides of the road, that it is from a Tahar person, and therefore it itself is Tahar. On the other hand, during the time and the lead-up to a Yom Tov, it's the exact opposite. Spit which is found in the middle of the roads is Tahar, because most people are Tahar. So those are the people who are part of the large crowds, walking through in the middle. Spit which is found on the signs would be Tomei, because the Tomei people know that they are the minority, and they are careful not to make other people Tomei, and therefore tend to walk more on the sides of the roads where there are less people. So it's every way round it is, the point is, because they are fewer, meaning whichever group of people are the minority, they're the ones who remove themselves to the sides, they walk on the sides, and so that is how we know to judge whether the spit is considered Tomei or Tahar. All utensils which are found within Yerushalayim, on the path going down into a mikveh, towards a mikveh. Generally, in a mikveh, at least in those days, they would have two different paths 
leading to the mikvah, and one path was designated for people to go towards the mikvah, so they would usually have tome utensils in their hands, because they were going to the mikvah in order to dip them there, and purify them in the mikvah. And the second path was for those coming away from the mikvah, having already dipped their utensils in the mikvah and purified them. This way the tome utensils wouldn't end up touching the tohar ones, and making them tome again. But as it may, the Mishnah tells us that if utensils are found lying on the path going towards the mikvah, tome and they are assumed to be tome, because only people carrying tome utensils would go down on that path. On the other hand, if the utensils are found on the path going up away from the mikvah to Hirin, they are considered to be tahar. Why? Because not on the same path as they went down towards the mikvah did they come up. There are two separate paths and therefore you can basically know, or at least presume, which one is Tomei and which one is Tahar. The Rebbe Meir, that is the opinion of Rebbe Meir. Even though in general in Yerushalayim, we learned in the previous Mishnah that we generally assume that things are Tahar. In this case, if it's found on the way down to the mikvah, that's a very good reason to be concerned that it is Tomei. However, Rabbi says, Kulon Tahirin, all the utensils found even on the way down to the mikveh are considered to be Tahar, just like everything else in Yerushalayim. The Rabbana did not make an exception in this case. Chutz, except for Minasal, a basket, a special type of basket which was used to gather bones and put the bones in the basket, Vamagrifa, some sort of rake which was used for moving bones, Vamaritsa, some sort of tool used to crush the stones or the bones, another tool used for burying. The point is, these utensils, their whole point is used for bones, and it definitely has become Tome from a dead body, and therefore these things, if they are found on the way down to the mikveh, and really anywhere, they would be assumed to be Tome. Interesting, we're now going to see another exception to the rule that utensils are generally assumed to be tohar if they're found in Yerushalayim, and that is that if this utensil is being used for a korban, so the laws of Tumah are more strict when it comes to korbanos. Now the halach is that if a utensil becomes tome and then is then purified in a mikveh, that utensil cannot be used for korbanos until the night begins. Just like a person who was tome and then went to the mikveh needs to wait and is considered a tavul yoim, somebody who is waiting for the day to end before being able to eat korbanos. The same applies to utensils. Therefore, things which were needed for the korban pesach, for example, a shechita knife, it would need to be purified on the 13th of Nisan, the day before Erev Pesach, because if it was only purified on Erev Pesach itself, it wouldn't be able to be used on Erev Pesach in order to slaughter the carbon Pesach. Be'ezemedesh tells us that Sakin Shenimtsis Bar Ba'asar, a Shechita knife which is found on the 14th of Nisan in Yerushalayim, Shechit Bamiyad, one can slaughter the animal with it immediately, because you can assume that it was, it was dipped in the mikveh and purified the previous day. But if it was found on the 13th of Nisan, so it can't be assumed that it was already purified in a mikveh, because maybe the person had planned on doing it later on in the day. You had to make sure it was done on the 13th day of Nisan. So if you found it in the middle of the day, who said that it had already been purified? And therefore, Shaino Matbil, you would need to go back and dip it in the mikveh again, out of doubt, because perhaps it had not yet been put into the mikveh. And then by nightfall, at the end of the 13th day, it would become pure even with regards to carbonis. On the other hand, the kaifits, some sort of very strong knife which could cut through meat and bones as well. If this was found, even if it was found on the 14th of Nissan, bein bozer, bein bozer, whether it was found on the 13th or the 14th, you would need to go ahead and dip it in the mikveh again, because since you can't even use this for a carbon pesach, because it's forbidden to break the bones of a carbon pesach, there's no reason to assume that somebody had purified it in advance of pesach, because he wouldn't be using it for the carbon pesach. 
And therefore, if a carbon touched this knife without you having put it into the mikveh again, then you would need to assume that it became Tomei, because there's no reason to assume that he had actually put it into the mikveh. So in that case, the regular rule applies that something which is found in Yerushalayim is assumed to be Tahar with regards to unsanctified things. But with regards to Karbonos, if let's say a carbon touched that item, then one does need to be concerned that it is indeed Tomei. Now, even when it comes to this kaifet, this knife which can cut through bones, if it's found, let's say, on the 15th of Nisan, on the first day of Pesach, then it can be assumed that it is indeed Tahar, because you could use it for other meat which you are eating over Yontav. So they would have purified it before Yontav began. It's just that they wouldn't make sure that it was ready already on Erev Pesach, it was enough that it would be ready on Pesach itself. So therefore, if you found it on Erev Pesach, you can't be sure that it has been purified already. However, if the 14th of Nisan falls on a Shabbos, then even if you find it on the 14th, you'd be able to use that immediately on the 14th day on Shabbos itself. And although the Mishnah uses the word Shaykhit, which usually means slaughter, in this case it can't mean that, because this tool cannot be used for slaughtering the Korban Pesach, and only the Korban Pesach can be slaughtered on Shabbos, all other Korbanis at least private carbonis, cannot be slaughtered on Shabbos. But what Mishnah is saying is that you can use that knife, for example, for the carbon Chagiga, which was another carbon which was brought together with the carbon Pesach and eaten on the first night of Pesach. So that carbon could be cut with this knife, because you can assume it was Tahar, and it was purified already before Shabbos began. Now, as I mentioned earlier, on a regular year, where the 14th does not fall on Shabbos, Bahamish, oh sorry, if it's found on the 15th of Nisan, then Sheikh Bamiyad, you're allowed to slaughter using that knife immediately, because you can assume that somebody purified it for Yomtev, even if he didn't do it for the sake of the Korban Pesach itself, because you can't use this tool for the Korban Pesach, he still would have purified it for the sake of the other meat which he is going to eat over Yomtev. Ends off the Mishnah with a leniency, Nimtseis Kishrela Sakin, if this big knife which would cut through bones, was found, and it was tied to a regular knife which could be used for Karim Pesach. So the regular knife, if it's found on the 14th of a regular year, you assume that it's Tahar. So in this case, that the bigger knife is tied to that smaller knife, Harizekasakin, it has the same status as that smaller regular knife, and you can assume that it too is Tahar. Mr. Dalit, something which is Tomei can be Tomei with one of two different categories of Tumah. One is known as an Av a primary source of tumor, such as a dead body, or even something which touched a dead body, or other things such as a dead sheret, some sort of small creature. The, li- the Torah lists certain small creatures which, when they are dead, they are a primary source of tumor. Those are examples of Avaisa On the other hand, something which becomes Tomei because it touched an Av that becomes a Vlad and that is a lower level of tumor. Now the main difference between these two categories is that an avatuma, if it touches either a person or a utensil or food or drink, that thing would become tomei. On the other hand, a vladatuma can only make food or drink tomei, but it can't make people or items, objects tomei. However, Bonon, a liquid which is a vladatuma, can make items tomei. And people as well, or at least people's hands. This is a unique law, Madrabanon. But as it may, the Mishnah discusses a quite unusual circumstance, but one which could technically happen, and that is Pareiches. The Pareiches, the curtain which was in the Beit Hamikdash. This is not necessarily referring to the main Pareiches of the Kodesh Hakadoshim. It could be referring to other curtains in the Beit Hamikdash. Shenitvis bevlad hatuma, which became Tomei from touching a vlad hatuma. 
So according to what we explained, the only way for the Pareiches, which is an object to become Tommy from a Vlad Hatuma, is if the Vlad Hatuma was a liquid. Now since this was a low-level Tuma, and it would be Midrabon only, so you don't need to actually take the Pareiches outside of the Beis HaMikdash, rather Matbilin Oisobifnim. They would dip it in the mikveh inside the Beis HaMikdash, in the courtyard, and if, let's say, it became Tommy outside of the Beis HaMikdash, as soon as you've dipped it in the mikveh, they can bring it back into the Beis HaMikdash immediately, and they do not need to wait until the night begins, until that day ends, since it is a very low-level Tumah. On the other hand, if it became Tommy with an Av for example, if a Sheretz touched the Poreiches, so then it's Tommy with a Raisa, with a higher level of Tumah, they need to dip it into the Mikveh outside the Beis HaMikdash. Even if it became Tommy inside the Beis HaMikdash, they have to take it out and dip it in the Mikveh outside. And once they've dipped it in the Beis HaMikdash, they would spread it out to dry in the Chel, which was a sort of hallway right outside of the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash. If it was a new Pareiches, a new curtain, they would spread it out to dry on the roof of the Itztva, which was some sort of structure on Harabayis, the area around the Beis HaMikdash, where people could sit underneath there. So they would spread this out, this large curtain, on the roof of this Itztva, so that the people would be able to see the beauty of its work. This would be both a glory to the Beis HaMikdash, and it would also encourage people to donate money to make the new curtains when they see how beautiful they were.